So what happens when you get a director known for extreme action films and mash him with a writer-director known for more drawn-out sci-fi films? No, we're not doing another Just the League episode. The answer is, we're talking movies, we're talking The 13th Warrior, starring the only name I'm going to get right here, Antonio Banderas, <laughs> Vladimir Kulch, and Diane Verona, written by William Wisher and Warren Lewis, based on the novel Eaters of the Dead by Michael Crichton, who co-directed, and John McCarran, who, you know, directed as well. It's all right, little brother. There are more. Okay, because, you know, with no context. Hey, when you die, can I give that sword to my daughter? Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of How'd You Like That Movie? We're talking about the 1999 film, The 13th Warrior, which, I mean, if you like things being carved up and disjointed, you're going to love this because there's lots of action and a disjointed and cut up script. Scott, take us away. <laughs> you, I just love how you like, you have like a little intro, you just fucking break down the movie there. <laughs> I, I don't understand. I'm like, why? <laughs> you're like, you like, said, you're like, and, and that's a wrap. So yeah, uh, tune into like, how Chris liked like, that movie. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, okay. So the cat's out of the bag. Like this was one of the biggest. The cat, um, like Puss from Puss in Boots, that cat. <laughs> Antonio Banderas, come on. Right, Everybody okay. knows he's the voice of Puss in Boots. Shouldn't have to okay. tell you that. Oh, and by the way, in your list of people you listed, I love how you didn't talk about Omar Sharif. You didn't put him in here, who is probably actually like Antonio Banderas becomes a very famous person. Omar Sharif is the most famous person in this movie at this time. Uh, but we'll talk about that later. But that's okay for you not knowing, you know, famous actors. It's it's okay. It's only a movie podcast. Good morning, Scott. Well, uh, I was going to say, like, isn't he only in, like, five minutes? Doesn't matter. So is he top billing? Uh, he's still Omar Sharif. It's like you, you put brad pitt in a movie and he has like one line or does a cameo you're you actually you're all about the cameos you're all about like oh so and so was in this movie Mwah. eggplant anyway go ahead eggplant so it, it, is this what it is yeah you have nothing to talk about this film so you're just gonna put me down for 25 don't, minutes don't, don't is, I, that, is that what this is i thought that's basically what our podcast was was like chris uh, i thought it was the reverse chris pro projecting his insecurity with scott via the internet <laughs> insecurity with chris and scott anyway let's talk about this fucking movie okay so I'll, what i was gonna say this this film became one of the biggest box office bombs of pretty much all time yeah Right. Yeah, especially if you take uh, – because in the budget range, um, it, it's got this big range of what the budget was. Uh, and if you take the highest number, I've got $160 million. Is that what you came up with? Is yeah. what the budget for this was? Okay, That's what yeah. I saw. A $160 million budget with a $62 million return on investment. And remember, when we're talking budgets, there's usually tons of marketing money that's not included in that budget and stuff. So, like, this thing could have been – well over the 160 million dollar mark anyway sorry keep going yeah box office bomb it could have been it, it could have been more than water world you don't know <laughs> <laughs> but and they made that on water <laughs> there's no excuse for this one they made this fucker on land like I, wasn't it spielberg who was like 
don't make movies on water. Yeah, what do you yeah. know, Spielberg? What what kind of movies have you ever made? <laughs> Anyways, um, uh, but now in context, I actually did watch this film in theaters. Oh, so you now, you were you were literally one of the people that uh, contributed to the sixty two million dollar. I office. was. Now it was only because Six Sense was sold out that weekend, <laughs> so I didn't feel like going home. So I just randomly saw Antonio Banderas. I'm like, all right, I'll go watch his film. Were Were you on a date and you're like, look, I expected a hand job at the movies. I'm getting a hand job at the movies. Uh, no, no comment, I can, right? I, I cannot. Yeah, <laughs> my, my children listen to this. <laughs> Daddy, what's a hand job? Anyway, so you saw it in the theater because uh, Waterworld, yeah. or not Waterworld, uh, Six Sense was sold. Six Sense was so was sold out, and uh, I'll be honest, like I I knew nothing. I don't even think I watched a trailer for this film when it first came out. It was just literally I saw the poster of Banderas and I liked Desperado, so I was like, all right, I'll go watch this instead. Uh, but Which is a badass movie, actually. Uh, that the whole Mexican trilogy by Rodriguez is fucking super dope. So go check. Are that we going to talk about this film, or are you just going <laughs> to divert to every other fucking film? Listen, this is what happens if we record. Like, I got and all I've done do. is had coffee in the morning, right? So I'm I just... got shit to do, man. I, I got rentals to do, man. <laughs> what I was going to say is, I did enjoy this film when I watched it in theaters, right? Even though it was disjointed. Um, and now going back and rewatching it, you can definitely tell like what was filmed by, uh, McNearin or McTiernan and what, uh, by Christian did. Yeah. Did in the reshoots. Like right? the fact that there's two endings and they kept both of them. <laughs> Not only that, but you'll see like from what I gather, like the John McTiernan, the stuff that's like crisp and clean um that kind of looks like it was predator right yes like when they're well, in and, the and the action and sequences a lot of the action sequences primarily are mcturian right yeah and then you'll go and then like during that time like all of a sudden it'll like switch and it looks like they're using like the lenses they used back in the 70s right because all of a sudden like you'll go crisp and clear and then it goes like grainy yes yes like almost grainy. like in, indie cinema kind of thing yeah, so I'm like, you could tell like kind of where they're <laughs> it's, putting it's it. It's indie cinema on a fucking super Hollywood blockbuster budget. <laughs> but it is what it is, right? Like this, it, it, you're right. It, this film is what <laughs> like, it is. Yeah, and that, now if you know if if John McTiernan never gets out of jail, and you know he wants to make his director's cut of this, <laughs> pull a little Zack Snyder, I'll be interested to see what it what it was because a lot, a lot of what he filmed was cut out right this was almost uh richard donner superman 2 levels yeah well and that's why the story feels also all over the place because uh obviously like the the screenplay was written i mean he had solid screenplay writers uh who he'd worked with before uh, william wisher who worked on terminator 2 uh and judge dread uh, and warren lewis who worked on black rain like these guys knew what they were doing you're you're coming from a book um that, uh, like you said, the uh, the eater the eaters of the dead by Michael Critchin. Um, although Critchin's work, have you seen a lot of it? I mean, obviously everyone's seen Jurassic Park, and my understanding is the Jurassic Park movie is v- very very different than the book. I mean, it's almost yeah. like there's only like a kernel of kind of truth in in the yeah. book that's transferred but, over to the film. 
from what I remember, and I read the book back when the movie came out, like um, Jeff Jeff Goldblum's character dies in the book. Oh, okay. Oh, spoiler alert! If you haven't read the book from like whatever thirty years ago. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, in terms of his adaptions, like I remember, you know, Rising Sun with Sean Connery and uh, Wesley Snipes, mm-hmm. which was like the political thriller with China, and then they, Japan. you know. Wasn't it Japan? Was it Japan? It's Japan. Yeah, and then they threw out a little kung fu action so Wesley Snipes can actually do something in that <laughs> film. And then I remember uh, Disclosure, you know, with uh, uh, Demi Moore and Demi Michael Moore. Douglas. That that man that 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 uh, that's kind of, that's an erotic thriller as is I would classify it as a, that as you know women thriller. in power are bad and so are the Chinese because I think the, the Japanese Chinese are the ones the Japanese was, no I think it was the Chinese in in disclosure oh in disclosure I was gonna say I'm like no we, we just established that is, is no in disclosure yes 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 you're right yeah because she doesn't she represent a Chinese company isn't that the whole it's like a takeover bid or something like that yeah yeah and then you know there's timeline which you know. We won't say anything about that one, but uh, and then what was the one that came out at the same time as Outbreak with the talking ape? Isn't that Congo? Congo, Congo. yeah, yes. Congo, yeah, like it, like what, like like everything, right? Like once something hits big, all of a sudden everything gets made, right? Just like how uh, recently the remake of it, it hit big, yes. and then all of a sudden Stephen King, Stephen it, King, Stephen King. Yeah, everything Stephen King again, right? Quentin Tarantino's version of Stand By Me, you know, that type of stuff. Oh my god, that would be amazing. <laughs> Could you imagine that one? I actually, actually that that would be really cool, actually. It'd be so it'd have like this great like sixties soundtrack, and there would be like a voiceover narrative. Actually, there is voiceover narrative in Stand By Me. So yes. it would be like Kurt Douglas doing the voice the voiceover narrative or something. Uh it would be way more like greaser fight scenes and fuck. You know what? Call him up. That's that's the last movie. Stand by me <laughs> remake. Quentin Tarantino. You heard it here first on how'd you like that movie? And we're out of here. Um, anyway, the way, where I was actually going with that is um, like basically you had all the right ingredients to make a decent film, right? You have you know a story that's going to have lots of action. You got an action director. Uh, you've got a solid cast. You've got solid editors. You've got DOP and editor that you've worked with before. Decent screenwriting. And you're right. You can see the train coming off the tracks because. The director is the vision, right? He's like, okay, this is the, or they, whatever it is. In this case, it's a he, you know, we're going to go in this direction. And then you can tell when it's not his direction anymore, because the story is like, so we're doing this. Then we're jumping ahead to this. We don't really know why this is happening. We're going to jump over here. Um, The fact that uh, uh, Diane Verona, who plays the queen, uh, Queen Bello or whatever, she's got like five fucking lines. You know what I mean? And you're and she's second billing. Yeah, she's second billing. So you're going, well, she's not the biggest name like Omar Sharif. Like you said, like Omar Sharif, who also has a very small role. He doesn't even get on the billing, but she does. So that implies, well, and the fact that the story seems like there's no really development there. You're like, so there was something shot that didn't get into the movie, right? So oh, a lot, right? Like, well. Basically, this is like um, kind of a retelling of the Beowulf yes. uh, myth, yes. right? And you don't see any of that. No, well, in, in this, it, it 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 it's implied, but if you don't actually go and research the movie, you don't know that that's what they were trying to do, right? In which you you think that's what got cut out, right? Because like in reality, like 
the thing that is funny, like name me if you can name me any one of the these Vikings names. Uh, I mean, the only reason I know, no, no, that, without looking at <clears> that's what names. I mean. Like I was gonna say, the only one I would have is the lead, and his name is literally a translation of Beowulf. And the only reason I know that is because it's in my notes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right? the characters are so underdeveloped that you don't even know who's who most of the time. Like, oh, dude got his head chopped off. They say his name. Moving on. Moving on. But, yeah, it was funny. Mm. Like, like the old, the old like '90s like montage where they're like not really montage, but when they do the picking, like, oh, you got to have the 13, right? And they're doing the bones. Yes. Like, literally, you're like, you could tell already who was the cannon fodder (laughs) before this thing even went through. What do they call that in Star Trek? Like, the the person wearing the red shirts? The red shirts, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you knew before you go through, because you're like, oh, he actually talked to this guy two seconds before. So he's like, okay, this guy must be, like, somewhat main character. The other guy's the translator. He must be a like kind of good and then you just have like these random guys that are like okay 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 and it was like all fast paced with the other ones yeah (laughs) you're like oh there's the cannon fodder right there right but so did you did you like it in the rewatching like did you enjoy it i i I do like this movie i'll be honest this movie is like in my top 10 oh my god Jesus, how the fuck do you have a fucking podcast about movies if this is... Because you dragged me. You you dragged me into this. I thought you said I drugged (laughs) you. I was like, uh, do I continue to drug you every week? Like, I just, like, drop (laughs) by your house. I'm like, here, drink this. No, like, I do like it. Like, one of my favorite scenes, like, there's two scenes on here that are two of my favorite cinematic scenes. Okay. One is his hype up when he's like, it's just a man. And then he goes fucking batshit crazy on all of the guys on the windows or whatever the fuck they're from called. the windows to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that one. And the other one is after the um, they burn down the village and you see him like kind of climbing up and looking at the wreckage and how that was shot with all the the flames on fire and Antonio Banderas just kind of in silhouette. Yeah. Like, I love that scene, like uh, well, how it's shot and, and how it looks. And you're right. Like, um, so the DOP on this is Peter Menzies, who worked on Die Hard 3, Tomb Raider, The Incredible Hulk. Uh, I mean, uh, McTiernan did Die Hard 3 as well. He did Die Hard, the original, but he did Die Hard 3 as well. Uh, so you've got a, an action director and an action DOP, and you can see it. You're absolutely right. Like, uh, it's got this, like dark noir kind of uh lighting and stuff even when they're getting ready for that first fight where he's like you know when they come in put your back and he's like oh you're not a warrior i'm not a warrior and he's like you will be soon um like it's fast it's gritty the camera's moving around like low-key lighting it's great but then you're right and then you're like and now somebody else is directing (laughs) and now somebody else is directing um see when i was watching this the um, the first battle that was kind of like in the dark with the um, torches. I was like, oh, this must be where they like, this must be uh, when they did Game of Thrones with the Night King, like when the White Walkers finally attacked the castle and everything was dark and grainy. I'm yeah. like, oh, it must be a homage to uh, <laughs> to 13th Warrior, right? Like, because you couldn't see anything. <laughs> I'm like, oh, they must have really liked this movie too. And that's why they did it. <laughs> right. Um, 
but I mean, I found I I originally when I I turned it on, I was like, oh, wicked! It's like only an hour and forty three minutes long. I'm like, it's it's in the shorter range. That's kind of good, especially if I'm not going to like it. And because the story was all over the place, I found myself like really falling out all the time. Then the action would happen. I'm like, oh yeah, wicked! And then I would fall out of the movie again. So uh, I could probably actually just like take this film, bring it into editing. Uh, hey, this is Antonio Banderas. He's going to play an Arab. Uh, here's uh, uh, Vladimir Kush. He's going to be your lead. And uh, here's a bunch of killing and movie over. You know what I mean? Like the movie could probably be about uh, 19 minutes long. Uh, and that's it. You know what I mean? Like, because for the amount of story it told, it's it's you could just take the fighting and say some stuff at the beginning, say some stuff at the end, and there you go. And it would be a more entertaining movie. So, yeah, like I think, well, they still do it today with the test test screen, and screenings. that's what killed. That's what killed this movie, right? Which makes me always wonder because sometimes test screenings are wrong, right? Like sometimes mm-hmm. you get a bad test screening. And you go, fuck it. I, I I still, the director, you know, says, stands their ground. And then it hits the general audience and it's awesome. And unfortunately, I can't, I can't think of an example right off the top of my head. I'll try and find one. Um, which makes you wonder, like, imagine that the, just the test screening went bad and it was actually a great movie. And then they fucking chopped it up. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like I was saying before, like, there's no, like, in terms of the Vikings, no... There's no, no motivation, no nothing. Like you, you don't know their names. You don't know why they're there, why they actually picked, like chose to actually do what they do, right? And and so yeah, many everything just seems the, random, right? Like he stumbles upon them randomly. Then like the, they the, randomly the thing, go on this mission, and then they randomly like decide that they're going to risk their lives to the, go ahead. It, oh, I was going <laughs> to say the subplot of the you know the son trying to take over the castle because his father's sick that's literally resolved in five minutes yes and you don't even realize it's resolved like because it's never touched upon again <laughs> uh that fight scene's awesome though i do like that duel again back to the like the action cinematography is great and yeah but the way that played go, out was awesome and then it's over yeah when you go back two minutes it's like oh you can't be involved in this right i'll do it and then who are you gonna pick and he's just like oh what about the redheaded guy who you're assuming is apparently now like really close to this prince, right? Yeah, because like, you never saw them before and you never saw them after. Yeah, you're just like you don't <clears throat> you don't even know actually how big that redheaded dude is until you actually see the size comparison. Mm. So then, yeah, you make the assumption you're like, oh, he must be his like tough guy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm just I'm just going to assume because of this what I'm seeing on the screen, but it's never developed in any type of way. Yeah, same thing, like, in terms of, um, like, just the villagers themselves, right? Like, you you get, uh, that's why I'm assuming there's a lot that was cut, right? And they just kind of, like, okay, like, the test screens are like, we don't understand this. We don't, that's my guess. We don't understand this. We don't understand that. Okay, cut it out, cut it out, cut it out. And then, so, and then it goes to the regular audience, and they're all like, "Yeah, we don't understand any of this now." Yeah, like for me, like I've never been in it. I don't even know how test, like test audiences are picked, right? But the the seems like because it's a genre film, like it is a specific audience that would go to watch this, right? <clears throat> and 
if the test audience wasn't that like it's literally like have you ever it reminds me of have you ever watched community like the tv show yeah 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 yeah. do you do you remember the episode where um chevy chase character uh and yvette brown's character get picked for a test audience for the u.s remake of technically their doctor who (laughs) no and then they're like okay and it's the two ahmeds and um troy's favorite show and then yvette brown's like okay you know you gotta just kind of keep it the same and then chevy chase at the end is just like you know what i would do and he completely 100 percent changes it he's like it's a sexy partner <laughs> and he has guns and he shoots lasers and then they make that <laughs> and then everybody's like what the fuck so basically <laughs> like, don't make it doctor who make it something else yeah uh, so and, and that's kind of what you get it it's just like okay don't make it what it is just you know just make it literally fucking predator except uh with cannibals which you don't even know they're cannibals because in reality what's more scarier than cannibals predators fuck come on (laughs) i mean and this could have been his like like opus maximus like this could have been this fucking epic braveheart meets predator kill fest dirty gritty like it could have been this fucking great thing instead instead you get the moniker maybe the biggest box office bomb in history no and it goes like like one fact uh, i found like you know that uh underwater scene at the end uh if you you know spoilers when they're escaping um the actor dennis strahl who played the herger guy yeah he actually almost drowned in that Antonio Banderas jabbed back into the water and ended up saving his life. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so just imagine if that happened. Um. So would you watch this? Like, do you watch this on a regular basis or what? No. Like this. Uh, this is like a decade. Like every decade, I'll I'll go back and rewatch it. Right. But I enjoy it every time that I do. But I can't think of another film that, like, <clears throat> I think this one in the world of remakes, I think this one could be remade. Could be remade. And I think. Should if, be remade. Yes. Ron I think Howard brings in the 13th Warrior, starring yes, Tom I, Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would go, like, in terms of this, I think this would be perfect for a, um, like, in a world where, you know, Scream's a TV show, where, you know, uh, oh, The but... Mist was a TV show. You actually build this out as, like, a... Or a Netflix, like, uh, limited five run, e- like, yeah, six episode. Five... Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, limited, uh, lim- what do you call that? Uh, uh, limited series? miniseries yeah but that's not the term they use anymore it's like a limited series or something like that but yeah 100 percent. yeah that's literally what i said like two seconds ago limited series i don't listen or a mini to series. you <laughs> <But> <laughs> our musical episode is over okay you don't need to sing jazz <laughs> hands time. jazz hands. uh have you have you read eaters of the dead like do you read a lot of no. uh michael kitchen or no the only the only book of his i read was fucking jurassic park and that was years ago 
So I didn't realize he had died. He died in 2008 of cancer. He was only 60, mm-hmm. 65, 66 years old. Um, man, for a writer, though, he had uh, he had uh, this like insane amount of like books that he had written. He he he, de- he developed and created ER. Um, Wa- uh, Westworld was like one of his original uh, films that he he worked on as well, uh, which obviously mm-hmm. then got remade as HBO. Uh, so yeah, like super successful and to die so early. Yeah. I think his directorial debut was, uh, the great train robbery with, um, Sean Connery and Donald Sutherland. Sutherland. Yeah. 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 Like, I mean, he, like he produced, he directed, uh, I'm not this, like, yes, he directed on this one, but he directed good movies as well. Uh, prolific writer and stuff like that uh and yeah like to die so young like that's uh that's crazy and then like kind of in like the the center of your like just career that is on fire um and so yeah you, you do you know do you know who omar sharif is like from like lawrence of arabia and like i mean probably one of the most famous films like dr Zhivago. yeah yeah okay it is so, i do i and, I, come off. and I, I do <laughs> i do un- I get like I know there's a lot of talk around this movie with the idea that like uh, Antonio Banderas plays an Arab, which we don't do that anymore. But I mean, there is a business uh, aspect that it also might have been that they felt that he was more marketable at the time. I'm not really going to wade into that. Um, but there is an irony when you're like, you mean like the same movie where you have Omar Sharif, who is probably one of the most famous uh, Middle Eastern actors of the history of cinema also in your movie and you have a Spanish guy playing an Arab there like I get those things don't necessarily go together but I do find a little bit of a chuckle when I look at that you know what I mean I mean you can't have this old man playing I mean you could you could for the amount of like fucking um sensibility that this movie made any sensory sense that this movie made anyway um uh, anyway so do you, yeah. do you well that's the thing like once they remake this in Netflix, you can have Riz Ahmed play Antonio oh, Banderas. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want right. to watch that movie. I want to yeah, watch that I'm, remake. I, I'm literally pitching it right now so a Netflix executive can, you know, give me a call and I'll write it. But, <laughs> but yeah, you can have Riz Ahmed. Um, who would you go for the Vikings, though? Uh, I don't know, man. There, there's, you could literally go to like the Vikings TV show, which actually I believe, uh, um, Vladimir Kush actually is in Vikings. Uh, he was also in smoking aces, smoking aces, ironclad and the equalizer. And he grew up in Quebec and he used to have a whitewater rafting company out of British Columbia. So there's my Canadian content for this show. Oh, there's Chris's moment. That's right. Chris's Canadian moment. Uh, do you, <laughs> so before before we're done here, do you recommend this movie for anybody? I do. I, I Like I said, this is in my top 10. Uh, I do recommend it only because just to sit back in awe of now knowing what's going on, like in terms of the backstory and everything like that, and just watching, you know, a mishmash of two visions trying to trying to be melded into one and how back in the nineties, there was no hashtag release the John McNair and cut. Yeah. So anyway, I'm not, uh, I, paying I don't attention. I'm paying attention, but I mean, the reality is, is like this movie, I would just say, go on YouTube, find the best fight scenes, do that. Uh, otherwise, don't really bother with this this film. It's kind of boring. It's kind of fucked up. 
and it's not worth spending the hour and 40 some odd minutes to watch it just for those fight scenes just go on youtube and watch them that way um my my, my line for this movie is you know with with so much great killing yet still poor execution and i want to finish on my big quote for this uh this film is by peter brunette from film.com with the possible what Come on, get me an Eber. Eber was alive back then. Yeah, again, but I, I find quotes that actually like say and embody the spirit that I have, right? Uh, but was film.com even a thing when this movie came out? Hey, man, it's I told you I use top critic rating. So if you get a top critic rating, you can be on my show. Our show. So <laughs> our show. On, there, there it is right there. Freudian your slip. show, all right? <laughs> anyway, anyway, so Peter Brunette, Peter Brunette, film.com. With the possible exception of the action sequences and the very occasional imaginative set design, it's awful. Full stop. That's Chris for this week. I would drop the mic, except it's on a fucking stand. And that is our rant for the day. Please like and subscribe to this podcast. You can also reach us and interact with us on social media at how do you like that one or email us at how do you like that movie at gmail.com. Yeah, but if you think about it, a Tarantino remake of anything could be amazing. Just imagine a Tarantino remake of Charlotte's Web. <laughs> Where Charlotte's just like, fuck you, motherfuckers. That's what she's right. And then he throws in like an alternative, uh, an alternate ending and something like that. Where like, the no. animals take over the farm. <laughs> they're just like fucking that rocket strapped to the pigs. They're like, they're like <laughs> smoking cigarettes and like jamming out to the cool sounds of the 70s. You know, there's two rabbits that are just like fucking constantly fucking the whole time. And just like, we got to get this going. <laughs> but yeah. Production by Rod Shaver, Vader Monkey Productions.